Welcome to the A-Level Politics Show. And today we will be looking at the Labour Party. Has it returned to its ideological roots? Its ideological roots being the policies of socialism. In order to answer this question, we're going to take you back all the way to the origins of the Labour Party and those divides within the party that have always existed and are now known as old Labour beliefs and new Labour beliefs. In particular, we will be looking at the policies of Jeremy Corbyn and specifically on economic policy, on social policy and the the view that society should be more equal. We will also be looking at Jeremy Corbyn's policies on international affairs, as well as uh, the way that Corbyn's uh, supporters have gained important posts um, in the running of the Labour Party. And that leads to a direction that argues, yes, Labour has indeed returned to its socialist roots. It's not quite there yet. It is a journey. um, But nevertheless, it is a journey that has been accelerated with the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn. Now, the Labour Party has always been considered a socialist party, um, a party that came from the trade unions. Protecting workers was in its DNA um, and it believed in achieving equality between the rich and the poor. The government, it argued, should play a key role in running the economy. It believed that privately run businesses should not be run to profit Uh, the owners, but that the proceeds um, should be shared amongst the workers. When the Labour Party was created, even from its very inception, there was a socialist wing of the party and a more moderate wing. Um, And we see this with the introduction of the National Health Service in the 1940s when the Labour Party uh, became a majority government. And there was a big row about whether straight away prescription charges should be introduced under the Attlee government. This led to the resignation of left-wing Anurin Bevin, the man who created the NHS. He was at loggerheads with the more moderate uh, members of the cabinet who believed that um, prescription charges were the way to make the NHS viable. So the moderate wing has always been more comfortable with individuals and businesses accumulating wealth uh, with lower taxes and with a mix of private and public provision of services. Under Blair, this moderate wing became known as New Labour and the socialist wing uh, was derided by the Blairites as Old Labour. So if we stick to these terms, Old Labour, New Labour, you know what I mean. Old Labour are those who um, are favourable, more disposed to the traditional socialist beliefs upon which the party was founded. And what are those traditional beliefs? Well, that the rich should be taxed more than the poor to help usher in greater social equality. That there should be an active role for the state, the institutions of government, where key industries should be controlled by the government and the workers should benefit from the money these industries make. Internationally, traditional socialists in the Labour Party favour diplomacy and resolving disputes through peaceful means. 
The moderate or centrist or new Labour wing, on the other hand, believe that there was nothing wrong as getting rich so long as there is a quality of opportunity. Um, a mixed economy is also supported by new Labour, where the government controls some public services, but most of the industry is controlled by private, investor, by private investors. Where possible, there should be public-private partnerships when it comes to providing services such as health and education. The new Labour wing, the centrist wing, also um, believes that diplomacy does not always work and that sometimes military intervention on humanitarian grounds particularly is necessary. And when we come back, we will be looking at attitudes towards equality in the Labour Party and whether they have shifted under Jeremy Corbyn. Now, the gap between the poorest and the wealthiest actually grew under Gordon Brown and Tony Blair. Brown had to fight rebellions in his own party over abolishing the 10p rate of tax, which resulted in low income workers paying more tax. Now, this was a policy that Labour initially introduced, but by scrapping it, um, that fits in with the new Labour belief that there is nothing wrong with getting rich so long as there is a quality of opportunity. So bear with me in a minute. What we're trying to say is that the Labour Party were not going to favour necessarily uh, the poorest income brackets. They, they were going to focus perhaps more on those higher up the chain. Um, however, Labour's recent policies fit in with the socialist belief inequality and that the rich should be taxed the most and the poor should be taxed the least. Labour introduced the minimum wage to boost the wages of, of the working poor. Uh, Labour supports and still does introducing a 45p top rate for those earning over £80,000 per year. Shadow Chancellor John Macdonald has proposed a universal basic income for all UK citizens. Although the party hasn't really run with this, it fits in with the overall belief uh, that the UK has become too unequal and that uh, the Labour Party should be key in trying to introduce policies if it came into government that would narrow that gap. Therefore, we can see that the more recent examples, those of uh, those policies of John McDonnell, um, seem to be taking over the policies of Brown and Blair, who were perhaps more comfortable with that gap growing. And in the case of Brown, taking a step that actually made the poor pay more tax. When it comes to the economy, Labour, when in government between 1997 and 2010, did very little to reverse Thatcher's privatisation schemes. Um, they even privatised the tote. Now, this policy fits with the new Labour idea of a mixed economy, so not returning to the ideological roots of socialism, but accepting private involvement, particularly in the provision of services. So New Labour proposed academy schools, which are uh, sometimes run with private backing. Cleaning services in the National Health Service uh, were contracted out to private companies. Ed Miliband, when he was leader um, in between Brown and Corbyn, considered loosening central government oversight of some services 
and decentralising the running of public services to professionals running those services. He praised hospitals that were built using private money and leased back to the public sector, the so-called PPP schemes. These examples, again, all fit in with the new Labour acceptance of private involvement in service provision and go against the traditional socialist uh, ideas uh, that the government should play a much more active role in the provision of these industries and of these services. However, Labour's recent policies under Corbyn appear to support an active role for the state. Indeed, even under Blair, there were massive increases in spending on state education and on health. Um, spending per pupil more than doubled from around 2,000 per pupil in 1997 to around 5,000 in 2007. The Brown government seemed quite happy in bringing failing industries into public ownership. He nationalised uh, failing banks, including Northern Rock, um, um, and also part of uh, the Royal Bank of Scotland as well. Miliband, um, building on that, promised to break up the energy companies if they continued to charge high prices under a future Labour government. Corbyn, uh, has he gone even further and pledged to create a national investment bank with over £350 billion um, coming from the public purse to support the rebuilding of regional industries. And so the direction of travel, even under Blair, appears to be of more state spending on public services um, and a willingness to intervene in the economy, particularly uh, when there is market failure. Um, and also uh, a belief that perhaps that is desirable. That moves us back, I think, towards the ideological roots of socialism, towards uh, that um, comfort zone where the government um, has a far greater role in the running of the economy. Now, when it comes to international affairs, Labour favoured the war in Iraq, despite the objections of the international community. Miliband supported tough action against ISIS in Syria. Hillary Benn, Labour's former shadow foreign secretary, voted in favour of action in Syria in 2015, demonstrating that a large part of the parliamentary Labour Party remained some distance away from the old Labour traditional ideological socialist roots. Why? Because these examples I've just given show that regardless of who is leader, the new Labour view that humanitarian intervention is sometimes necessary with or without international support remains an influential one. Many Labour MPs accepts, uh, accept that diplomacy does not always work and that perhaps goes against the principle of really focusing on diplomacy, uh, really focusing on internationalism, working peacefully uh, with other countries to bring about uh, a peaceful end to disputes. Indeed, Labour's recent policies, however, um, fit with the socialist ideas of internationalism. Brown championed the cause of eradicating poverty in the developing world. He visited the United States and campaigned for more money to fight malaria. He also supported the Make Poverty History movement and placed great emphasis on the G20 group of countries to lead the way in tackling the world's problems. Miliband 
urged his party to vote against military action in Syria in 2013 and called for greater UN engagement. And Corbyn similarly voted against action in Syria and personally believes in unilateral disarmament. Now, while that last policy, getting rid of nuclear weapons, didn't find its way into the Labour Party manifesto, the fact is, is that Corbyn is really the poster child uh, of the anti-war movement. Um, he was one of the prominent um, anti-Iraq war campaigners um, and now he's leader of the Labour Party. I think that demonstrates that the Labour Party is more in favour of diplomacy, less in favour of military action, particularly against military action without UN, appro UN approval. And that is something that traditional socialists uh, would uh, be in favour of. They would favour uh, the United Nations and countries coming together in a brotherhood uh, to uh, look after other countries um, and to um, really go against the idea of military action unless it is absolutely necessary. Um, and I think that traditional socialists uh, would look at Iraq and say that that goes against the socialist principles of internationalism and diplomacy. Corbyn was at the forefront of opposing that war. And therefore, I think we have to say, particularly when it comes to international affairs, the Labour Party has shifted quite a lot from the days of Tony Blair. Now, it's hard to argue that Corbyn is anything other than a socialist. But Corbyn is not the only person in the Labour Party. In order to determine his influence on the party and to make a decisive judgment about whether the Labour Party has indeed returned towards socialism, we have to look at whether there is resistance uh, to his tenure uh, as leader of the opposition. We also have to look at party policy and whether uh, Jeremy Corbyn's um, supporters have been elevated to positions of real authority in that party. So firstly, let's look at policy. The party is keen to show that it will not spend more than it gets in on tax revenues in order to fund short-term budget needs. Even Corbyn's shadow chancellor, the fiercely left-wing John MacDonald, has spoken of controlling public spending through something called a fiscal credibility lock. Corbyn's belief in unilateral nuclear disarmament, as I said previously, did not find its way into the Labour Party manifesto in 2017. All of these policies demonstrate that there is a degree of moderation. Now, the dispute over anti-Semitism showed not that the party was socialist or not socialist. What it showed was that Corbyn could not get everything his own way. He had to climb down um, and was forced to accept the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance's definition of what anti-Semitism actually is. Now, you might think this is just ridiculous. How can a modern British political party uh, not know what anti-Semitism is? Um, or... How could there be rows about what anti-Semitism is in the 21st century? But that's where we are. The point I'm trying to make is to say that Jeremy Corbyn isn't simply able to get everything he wants. 
um, and therefore whether the party has moved back towards socialism can be uh, debated. Even the left-wing campaign group Momentum is advocating a second EU referendum, something uh, that the left-wing leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, tried to prevent. Corbyn has kind of been dragged along um, in in one way by the very group that helped him helped him get there, the the, the Momentum group, um, and in another way by the more moderate Parliamentary Labour Party that probably favours a second referendum. Um, Corbyn did campaign for Remain, um, but he did whip his MPs to trigger Article 50. So Brexit has divided the left, not just the moderates uh, and the left. This point was seen clearly when Clive Lewis, a left-wing MP who had initially been supportive of Corbyn, resigned from the shadow front bench when he refused to vote to trigger Article 50. And this is perhaps one area where the membership of the Labour Party that is often fiercely left-wing and loyal to Jeremy Corbyn and the PLP, uh, that centrist group of uh, MPs, seem more unified with each other than they do with the left-wing Jeremy Corbyn. Again, what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that there's pockets of resistance to Jeremy Corbyn and he can't get everything his own way. So therefore, his ability to steer the Labour Party towards socialism will uh, will meet a few rocks along the way. Um, however, and this is really important, there is no doubt that Jeremy Corbyn, as a socialist, is attempting to steer the Labour Party back towards a more left-wing position and is having far more success than the failures. He is against many of the austerity measures imposed by the Tories, specifically cuts to tax credits. He was against action in Syria. He favours unilateral disarmament. Personal choice, yes, but still, that has huge influence then on what the party will do when in power, when dealing uh, with issues like that, if it wins an election. He accepts the need to borrow to invest in long-term projects, again, using the assets of the state uh, to... Uh, change society. He also accepts the result of the EU referendum to leave the EU, which many centre-left politicians, including Tony Blair, do not. So actually accepting EU withdrawal arguably is a left-wing position in itself. Many of the grassroots activists support his policies, hence why thousands rejoined the party when he was elected as leader. And the creation of the moderate independent group or TIG or Change UK of MPs formed initially by seven breakaway centrist Labour politicians and joined, joined subsequently uh, by more uh, Labour MPs uh, actually means that there are fewer influential moderates um, that remain. Chuck Ramuna, for example, was seen as a moderate anti-Corbyn MP, but now he's not part of uh, the Labour Party caucus in Parliament anymore. And so therefore you can argue that what is left is a more left-wing um, party. So let's return to the question, has the Labour Party returned to its ideological roots? The strongest essays define the traditional socialist roots. 
uh, and also the ideas of the moderates or centrists or new Labour faction, um, and then introduce policies and explain how those policies fit with those ideas of either the moderate wing or the socialist wing. Um, The best essays take into account the recent trends under Jeremy Corbyn, noting the divides, yes, that still remain between the parliamentary Labour Party, the membership uh, and the leadership, but acknowledging, I think, that the Labour Party has changed and is changing um, back towards a more socialist party. Whether that will continue perhaps with an election of a new leader if Jeremy Corbyn is not seen as a vote winner at the next general election or before that um, remains to be seen. But it seems different this time. It, It doesn't seem like Jeremy Corbyn is just a flash in the pan. The left wing... Uh, has control of many aspects of the Labour Party now. Um, And when we talk about people who might take over um, from Jeremy Corbyn, we are talking about John McDonnell. We are talking about uh, the underlings working uh, for John McDonnell. We're not really talking about the Blairite characters anymore. Um, So even if uh, Jeremy Corbyn uh, was to step down, I think that we are going to see a more left-wing Labour Party for quite some time to come.